0: It is Friday, July 14th. I'm Scott Seidenberg, And I'm
1: AJ Hoffman. The
0: second half of the baseball season is here.
1: Sports are back. That's all that matters. Here you go. So the
0: Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. And we are straight out of Vegas AM your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Major league baseball back in action today. The jets signed defensive tackle Quinn Williams to a four year contract extension. And let's
1: use that as the Vegas lead because that'll lead us into some more jets discussion, uh, about a little TV show. I think they're going to do now, uh, Let's talk With about Ray Donovan's voice. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about this signing first. Um, I, I'll be honest. I am sometimes when I hear about big time signings mm-hmm. this late in the offseason, I'm like, oh, really, that wasn't taken care of yet. Mm-hmm. And then you start like there's a lot of stuff that's not taken care of yet. Like Saquon Barkley's still not really taken care of. There's a lot of stuff out there still floating around. It's, it,
0: there's going to be a lot more of these, I'm guessing, yeah. a lot more of announcements on contract extensions. So, Quentin Williams was still under his rookie deal; he had one year remaining on his rookie contract, but he's an All-Pro. And they want to take care of him. They want to take care of him. They want to make sure that he's happy and he doesn't. There's nothing that they have to deal with in the future. So, the Jets signed him four years, ninety-six million dollars. It is the largest guarantee. In Jets franchise history, sixty-six million dollars. I'm surprised that's not the number for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that's not the cut that Jets didn't sign under that contract. Uh, the extension makes Williams the second highest defensive tackle paid in the NFL based on average annual value, twenty-four million dollars per season, just behind Donald. just behind Aaron Donald and ahead of Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans and the Jets. If you look now, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and Williams at tackle, two of the highest paid players at their position in the NFL. Yeah. Well, uh, this is, it It feels, again, like the Jets are
1: pushing everything into the middle of the table for this season and trying to make something happen right now. Obviously, the window isn't uh, – it, it's not unlimited when you go after a guy like Aaron Rodgers. I think they all understood that. Whatever time they had with Aaron Rodgers was essentially their window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're they're clearly going for it. And Quinnen Williams is a big
0: part of what they do on defense. Uh, this is just a great signing, I think. It's the first time under Jets GM Joe Douglas that he has signed a draft pick to a multi year extension. He took the job in 2019, so this is the first draft pick that he is signing to a multi year uh, extension of the 55 draft picks from 2012 to 2018. Only two received multi year extensions: Quincy Inunua who was a sixth-round pick at the wide receiver position in 2014, and guard Brian Winters, who was a third-round pick in 2013. So that just goes to show you how the Jets have drafted and operated in the earlier regimes.
1: Yeah, and it's tough to win when you have that little success in the Mm -hmm. draft. Uh, But they have had a couple of hits, and it looks like last year's class was pretty strong. So if Aaron Rodgers is not just an empty shell of what he once was. Like if last year was the uh the down year and that was the blip on the radar mm-hmm. and not the new reality. The Jets the Jets are going to be really
0: good this year. Quinn Williams a team high 12 sacks last season, third most among interior linemen and his pressure percentage 13.4% according to NFL Next Gen stats, highest among interior linemen, that's why he was a Pro Bowler and a first-team All-Pro. Well, we are going to be—I'm sure—we're going
1: to see a lot of Quinn and Williams. We're going to see a lot of uh, him flashing some cash now. I'm guessing mm-hmm. we'll see a lot of Aaron Rodgers. We'll see a lot of the New York Jets uh, during preseason because the Jets are doing hard knocks now. Were the Jets one of the teams that were uh, that couldn't say no? Or were were the Jets a team that decided, okay, even though we're not necessarily eligible, we'll do it anyway? Because it felt like I remember something about the like the teams that that couldn't say no. Maybe HBO didn't want those teams.
0: Yeah, if you look at the uh, the rules, you can you um you can say no if any of these rules apply. You have a first year head coach. You have a playoff berth in the past two seasons, and you've been on hard knocks in the past 10 years. So the Broncos didn't have to be on because they have a new head coach. Right. The Patriots don't have to be on because they made the playoffs in the last two seasons. The Cowboys don't have to be on because they were on hard knocks in the past 10 years. So if you look at those three rules— It only came down to the four teams, Jets, Bears, Saints, Commanders. Okay, so the Jets, they were a team that couldn't say no.
2: And they did try to say no. They at least resisted, Robert Sala did, you know, a few weeks ago.
1: Well, and it's funny because you said Jets, Bears, Saints, Commanders. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean – First of all, we know the NFL doesn't want to shine a light on what's going on in Washington these days. Yeah. Like that that's the Fair like the NFL would have said, "No, we're not doing that." Like it will maybe in 2 years, not right. It it's not the right time. The Bears and Saints I, I don't know if they like the Bears certainly they don't feel like they've got enough star power to carry a season of hard knocks. Yeah. Like who who are you like are you featuring Justin Fields who I mean,
2: it'd be a six-hour Justin Fields documentary.
1: Might or might not be a top twenty yeah. NFL quarterback, a- and then the other option would be the S- the Saints, where let's face it, Derek Carr is a boring person. <laughs> uh, he seems like a real sweetheart of a guy, but he's he also is, been
2: on hard knocks like five years. Yeah, ago.
1: but he's a boring person. So Which we saw up close of birth. yes. So it, it feels so obvious with Aaron Rodgers uh, with, with the 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 buzz
0: around the jets Mm -hmm. that's the team that they would have won obviously this is a television show and the best ratings are going to be for the jets because they have the best off-season story they're the team that people are uh wanting to to learn about if you look at hard knocks ratings in the past the season that the jets were on is one of the highest rated seasons of the show, A lot of it, of course, has to do with the New York media market. You put a team from New York, sure. obviously, you get the New York media market. But think about that Jets team that was on Hard Knocks in 2010. They had just come off a season in 2009 where Rex Ryan came in. He took the media by storm with his personality and his bravado at press conferences. They go to the AFC championship game where they lose to the Colts. And... In the off season, it's the first year of the new MetLife Stadium. It was called the new Meadowlands back then. So they tore down old Giant Stadium. So you had a team coming off an AFC Championship bid, getting ready for their first season in a brand-new stadium for the first time, one that they thought they could be, they can call home and not play in a stadium named for the other team in town, yeah. right? So brand-new stadium that they finally have their own home. They go out and they bring in LaDanian Tomlinson, Jason Taylor, Santonio Holmes. They already had Darrell Revis, Antonio Cromartie. This was one of the best teams that the Jets have ever had. They go 11 and 5 and go back to the AFC Championship game and lose again to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And lose again. Well, well. But that 11 and 5, McKenzie, correct me if I'm wrong. That's the best season that a Hard Knocks team has ever had.
2: Yes, so the only Hard Knocks team to win multiple playoff games. The Cowboys did win 12 games, but they lost in the very first playoff game in 2021. But uh, there's only been three times in 18 seasons of Hard Knocks that they've actually managed to win a playoff game. Again, two of those times was this season in
1: 2010. So is this a – let's talk about just the general success of teams after they're on Hard Knocks. Now, one thing about this is – these are t- let's remember they're typically bad teams yes. because they're teams that haven't had a playoff berth in the last two seasons if you haven't been to the playoffs in the last two seasons you're probably not that good so what's been the historically like, you know the i guess relative to win totals but what's been the uh, the performance after hard
2: knocks they pretty much met expectations and you might have heard of the hard knocks curse the very first four teams that went up in hard knocks they fell very far against win expectations but you know 18 years you take all that data in 10 overs it's evened out only eight unders and the average is 0.06 mm. so it's almost exactly what vegas is expected if you take the whole the whole sample
0: and the jets have high expectations so yeah. will they Well, it's, they certainly have higher
1: higher expectations than a typical hard knocks team yeah and i mean i guess let's also give credit where it's due the lions last year certainly exceeded expectations. Like the Lions were a good football team. last; They weren't a great football team. They were yeah. a good team last year. Did
2: over under of seven, they won nine games.
1: Yeah, so it was a – uh, this is uh, lately, like you said, early in this, it was disaster. Now it's it's evened out and maybe even a little in
0: the, on the positive. Yeah, five
2: side. out of the last six have gone over their win total.
0: Well, I, if you look at the win totals of the teams that they were, like, choosing, to, just choosing from – what was the what's the Bears' win total this year? Seven and a half, right?
2: Seven point six. Seven and a half overdues. The Commanders? Six point four. Saints? Pretty good. Nine point two. And the Jets. Nine point eight.
0: Exactly. So the Jets had the highest win total of the four teams that they were essentially choosing from to be on hard knocks. If you were just going by season expectation, the Jets were the choice. Now the Saints are interesting because the new quarterback, right? And anytime you have a new quarterback, it always makes for a good storyline for a TV show, but the Jets have the bigger name, new quarterback. And we were arguing that this, everybody wants to talk about
2: as a Jets fan. We were arguing. You and AJ were against you saying, wouldn't you rather have Derek Carr at least, you know, reasonably for 10 years versus Aaron Rodgers for two. And you were like, no, I want to win a Super Bowl. I think that's what draws in fans top end talent. Even if, you know, wasn't that great last year.
0: Yeah. This is the window. The window is open now. And I think it's a three year window. I think Aaron Rodgers plays for three seasons.
2: How old is Aaron Rodgers when he starts this season? going to be 39 this year. I'll, I'll 39 st- in December. So he's December, though. So he's only going to be 40 in two years.
1: I'll stick to a two-year window. I think three years. No, no one's good beyond 40. It's no, literally not happening outside it's of time. Tom Brady. Tom <laughs> Brady. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers
0: ain't Tom Brady. Why
2: well, do you got to say that like Ted? Tom Paul Brady. Brady.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do think that the, the if you look at what happens, right, Let's say he's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove everybody wrong. If the Jets make it to the playoffs and fall short, he's going to want to come back, right? He's going to want to finish the job. If he gets hurt and doesn't play a full season, he's going to want to come back. He's not going to want to end on that note. The only thing that I can see forcing him to not play another two seasons would be either winning the Super Bowl or... Back-to-back bad performance seasons. And he, I just don't see that well, happening. Always one for two.
1: Yeah, here's a, here's a question. Where do you think New York ranks as far as if you're underperforming, how do fans treat their, their superstars? Not great. Where do you think Green Bay falls on that list? Like, yeah, it, bottom of the league. In Green Bay. Meaning like the most leeway possible. You can play like a total asshole, but yeah. you're still our guy. Yeah because we own
0: a share of you, <laughs> but it's, Do it I, in the town. if yeah. they have
1: a, if he's not great this first season, Aaron Rodgers strikes me as a guy who's like this, all, all this bullshit isn't worth it. I, I I've had enough of this. I'm, I'm done. Like it, it's, he just seems like a guy who's got so many interests outside of football that if there's any reason why he's not happy playing, he'll just walk away. I I, I don't think that'll happen. But I, that's something something to consider. But also, like I said, no one's good after age forty. One person ever has been a good quarterback after age forty, and I, I just don't know if uh, I, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is the the second Tom Brady. In fact, I'm I'm almost certain
0: he's not. Well, the Jets have high expectations to live up to on this season's Hard Knocks because the greatest moment in Hard Knocks history has to be this Rex Ryan speech. Let's make sure we
1: play like the f- New York Jets, and not some. F- Slap, team. That's what I want to see tomorrow. Do we understand what the I want to see tomorrow? Let's go to
0: eat a damn snack. How could you not love Rex? How could you not love that guy? Well, Hungry I, man. I, I like, like to, to wear, a, run I, through a wall for that guy. I like to wear open-toed shoes, so he, 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 <laughs> wor- he worries me. <laughs> what a bizarre story that was. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support. Vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore.
1: Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, bud. Uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single
0: day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com SOV. That's drinkag1.com SOV. Check it out. The second half of the Major League Baseball season resumes tonight. The All-Star break comes to a close. All the All-Stars return to their locales from Seattle or hit the road if your team is on the road. And actually, that has to do with some of the handicaps that I have for tonight's games. As far as players that might have been in Seattle and then traveled cross-country to play on the East Coast, maybe that affects some of these players. Let's take a look at what we have on tonight's schedule. You, Darvish, will get the start for the Padres at the Phillies and Christopher Sanchez on the hill for Philadelphia. San Diego minus 115. Phillies like minus 105 on the comeback. I actually think this line might move as we progress throughout the day here on Friday. I think people will start betting on Philadelphia. This thing might close at like a minus 110 both ways, or it could be like a minus, you know, sort. it could flip. Could go minus 115, minus 105, the other direction. But I can see money coming in on the Phillies. Christopher Sanchez has not been bad at all for Philadelphia in his short time as a starter in this rotation. Elsewhere, we're looking at the Marlins at the Orioles in a line that I don't really uh, buy right now. I actually think I'm on the dog here. And it's the Marlins at the Orioles, Sandy Alcantara on the mound for Miami, Dean Kramer. Gets the start for Baltimore. Baltimore's minus 125. You can get the Marlins at even money. But Dean Kramer, his expected ERA is a run higher than his actual ERA. And his ERA is 4.78. So when I tell you his expected ERA ERA is a run higher, that's north of 5.5. That is bad in terms of the expected production that he's supposed to give up. Meanwhile, Alcantara hasn't had the best season But his expected numbers are actually better than his surface numbers, and he's coming off a great start, six and two-thirds, allowing just one run to the Philadelphia Phillies. So if Sandy can turn it on here in the second half, maybe sniffing, A potential playoff berth for the Marlins. I think you'll get the best effort from the reigning Cy Young Award winner. The Giants are at the Pirates. Ross Stripling goes for San Francisco. Rich Hill for the Pirates. San Francisco is minus 130 on the road. Diamondbacks are at the Blue Jays. Ryan Nelson is on the mound for the Diamondbacks. Not sure what the Blue Jays are going to do with their starting situation just yet. But Ryan Nelson's got the most ridiculous home road splits you're going to see. At home, An 8.08 ERA. But on the road, 2.81. So maybe he just doesn't like pitching in Arizona. Yeah. If I saw that, if I was like an opposing team, like scouting a player like that, doesn't a player like that make it like, isn't a player like that a trade commodity? Sure. Because it's like, man, if I could just get him out of that ballpark, he'll pitch great for me. Yeah. But he just can't pitch on that mound or something. Maybe there's something to do with the sight lines, or he's just not comfortable there, or doesn't like pitching in front of his wife. I don't know. Uh <laughs> there you have it, right? We're now. gonna sign you. Yeah. Can't bring Lucy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh Dodgers are at the Mets. Julio Urias on the mound for the Dodgers. Justin Verlander for the Mets. And Verlander's starting to put it together. He's had three consecutive really good starts, including a shutout start against Milwaukee, uh, a one-run unearned against San Francisco, and just two earned runs against San Diego. So he's been good over his last three starts. And just like I talked about Ryan Nelson's home-road splits, look at Urias' home-road splits. On the road this year, Julio Urias, an 8.44 ERA. The Dodgers also had several players involved in all-star festivities this week that had to travel from la to seattle now cross country to new york to play this series i like the mets as home dogs here dodgers are minus 125
2: there's been some discussion about older pitchers struggling this year adjusting to the pitch clock they've been doing it for 20 years you think verlander's getting better at that
0: i do and we're seeing it across major league baseball violations are down as the games move on as the season progresses there's less and less violations so pitchers are getting used to the pitch clock here The Brewers are at the Reds. Corbin Burns gets the start for Milwaukee. Graham Ashcraft for Cincinnati. Milwaukee's minus 120 on the road. Total of 10 here. I I, I do like the over just because it is in Cincinnati, and I'm not the biggest Corbin Burns fan, so I do like the over in this game. White Sox are at the Braves. Michael Kopech on the mound for the White Sox. Charlie Morton for Atlanta. And the days of getting Atlanta at a reasonable price. They're gone. Braves are minus 267. They're the best team in baseball. Red Sox are at the Cubs. Brian Bale gets the start for the Red Sox. Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs. Boston's minus 125 on the road. Don't know how much I trust that line. And I think it could change. I think money comes in on the Cubs as we progress throughout the day here on Friday. Both these pitchers are are decent. Uh, Both ERAs just a little bit over three. Hendricks does have worse numbers at Wrigley than he does on the road, though, so that's probably why the Red Sox are the favorites here. Guardians are at the Rangers. Aaron Savale goes for Cleveland. John Gray for Texas. Rangers are minus 145. The Rays are at the Royals. Tampa, the highest favorite on the board tonight at minus 305. Tyler Glass now gets the start for Tampa. Alec Marsh goes for the Royals. Marsh has only made two starts, and he hasn't gone deep in either of them. So I don't expect him to get through the fifth inning in this one. And Kansas City's got one of the worst bullpens in all of baseball. I like the race here to win big. I I like where you're headed. I actually
1: uh, got down on a player prop. Tyler Glasnow, who uh, missed his last start, if you remember. They were worried about him a little bit. Uh, Says he's feeling great after the extra rest over the All-Star break. I, I mean, all he's doing is mowing down batters. And even though the the wins and losses haven't you know haven't been uh, spectacular, the the strikeout numbers have been great. His last three games, he hasn't pitched six full innings. Strikeout totals twelve, eleven, and eight. That's a lot. That's a lot. The number seven and a half. I went over seven and a half strikeouts for Tyler
0: Glasnow. I like it. Miles Michaelis gets a star for the Cardinals at home against the Nationals. Nationals undecided on their pitching situation as of this morning. And I got to be honest. The Cardinals have a top five offense in baseball. Now, their general manager came out and said that yeah, they're they're probably going to sell players. Like I expect Nolan Arenado to get traded. I fully believe that. But part of me also wants to sprinkle a little bit on the the Cardinals to win the division. Now, now hear me out.
2: You're glutton for punishment.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's twenty to one right now. They're eleven and a half games back, which is it's just that's a lot of games. This division is not strong. No. And the Cardinals have been putrid all season long. But they're just one, like, 10-game winning streak. Just one 10-game winning streak. Maybe it's not 10. Maybe you don't have to win a 10-game. But I think, like, if they go, like, if they have a span of winning 10 out of 14 games, something like that, they have have two weeks in a row— where they go, you know, they they sweep a series and they take two out of three of the next series. So you go five and two, and then five and two. Next thing you know, you've won ten of twelve games. That eleven and a half game deficit could turn into five games. Yep. And if they're de- if they're back if they're five games back in the middle of August, that's dangerous because they're talented enough that they can make up five games in September. But you just said. They're likely
1: to sell players. Are they dangerous if they don't have Nolan Arenado or they don't have Paul Goldschmidt? Are they still
0: dangerous? They have two weeks to decide what they want to do. So you need that 10, ten game win streak to happen needs today. needs to happen now. Yeah. The thing is, the, the back end of the bullpen is decent, the offense is incredible. They got to fire the manager. But something just tells me that I, it's just a gut feeling that I have that, and I don't think, maybe they don't pull it off. But I think that they pull themselves within within a range that's reasonable at some point during this second half. So I'm not saying that, oh, they're a lock to win the division and they're gonna be in contention in the final week of the season. But I think once we get to the middle of August, talk to me in a month from now.
1: I don't even think they're gonna finish in third place. Talk to me August I've, 14th. I think they're a disaster. Like I it, it, they this isn't like, you know, 20 games into the season. Yeah, I know. It's like 90 games. Yeah. And you know that that bad division that you talked about—they're eleven and fourteen against the division.
0: I know they're not even winning games in their crappy division. I know. I I just don't see it. But the whole division stinks. Yeah, literally, the whole division stinks. The only team with a positive run differential in that entire division is the Cubs, and they're in third place, and they're forty-two and (laughs) forty-seven. Like, it's it's not. But saying the division stinks, like the Cincinnati Reds are 50
2: and 41.
1: Yep. That's a better record than the New York Yankees. Do the Yankees stink?
2: Tell me how the Reds are projected by 538 and fan graphs to go under 500, and they're nine games over 500 right now. I don't get it. Mm. I, I mean, I, their pitching the is bad. Not like, there's no the doubt. Reds.
1: The pitching is bad. And that's what's to Scott's point the reason they have a negative run differential is because they can't pitch. Yeah. But are, are the Reds likely to buy at the deadline?
0: No. They're going to just hold hold Pat. I would think so. How many I think, wins? I, I still think wins the Reds division. I think the Reds are still a team that's like building for the future, and like whatever's happening this year is just the, it's just gravy right now. It's almost like the Yankees when they had when they were the Baby Bombers, when they had just called when it was like nineteen ninety five. No one knows. Who you're talking no, about. <laughs> no, I'm talking about recently. The okay. Yankees in like two thousand. Like when
1: they thought Gary Sanchez was going to be a good player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah when like they that. weren't
0: expected. Those to, are the days when the Yankees weren't expected to be like you know a top playoff team, and all of a sudden, it's like, hey, these kids are good. Aaron Judge is the rookie of the year. Gary Sanchez is ridiculous. But um, this kind of feels like the Reds, it's like, they're like a year away, but they're over-exceeding expectations now. I think, Mackenzie, you asked the question, how many wins wins this division? Yeah. 80, like 82, finishing 500? 83?
2: Yeah, Reds are only supposed to win 79. Brewers projected to win 83 games right now. Yeah,
0: I think 83 wins the division. So what's the Cardinals now? Like 75? 75, yeah. Yeah. Listen, all it takes is one good run. One one good stretch. Talk it's to me. a, I mean, it sounds like that, that number that
1: McKenzie just said, 75, mm-hmm. they're accounting for at least one good stretch. Yes, there. of
0: course. Yeah. So they, well, they, they just, probably need two good stretches. Talk to me in a month. All right. All right. Remember the date, August 14th. We'll see where the, the the Cardinals are. Here's what here, – let me my, my guess look is into the gonna, future. My guess it's going to be a lot less than 11 and a half games. This is Scott saying, yeah, they can't win the division. <laughs> There's no way. All right, moving on. The Yankees are at the Rockies. Carlos Rodon gets the start for New York. They're minus 210. Austin Gomber goes for Colorado. Uh, Rodon looked good in his first start, and it, it, he, it was strong against the Cubs. He gave up the one home run that he was really upset about. Um, but other than that, he, he just the two strikeouts, but only two walks, four hits, and five and a third innings. It was a pretty, pretty decent start for his first start of the season. Uh Astros are at the Angels. Shohei Otani's on the mound. They're minus 160. The Angels are. JP France goes for the Astros. With all due respect to Otani, I I the price seems too low. And I think it's because the Astros are probably the right side of this game. Um their lineup is not at full strength at all. No. Although Jordan Alvarez starts a rehab assignment today yes. at Sugar Land. Well, they're getting better. But I think J.P. France can hang around. Because this Angels offense, you know, without Mike Trout, is doesn't scare you at all. Yeah. And I think that this could be a game where, you know, the Astros do hang around. And once Otani gets out of the game, the Astros win this thing. So you get a nice underdog price on the Astros – Uh, I wouldn't bet him in the first five, but I think they have good value as a dog here. Twins are at the A's. Kenta Maeda on the mound for the Twins. Not sure what the A's are going to do with their pitching situation just yet. And the Tigers at the Mariners. Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound for Detroit. Luis Castillo for Seattle. Seattle is minus 195. Low total of seven there in Seattle. Wimbledon resumes today. Semi-final action this morning. It's Yannick Sinner against Novak Djokovic. The Joker, minus 475 in that matchup. And Carlos Alcaraz, a minus 270 favorite over Daniil Medvedev. If you're looking for the odds to win the entire tournament on the men's side, Djokovic is minus 190. Alcaraz is plus 250. My question is, when it's Djokovic and Alcaraz in the final do you get better than plus two fifty on Alcaraz?
1: I don't think so. I, I, everybody's talking about Carlos Alcaraz. I, this is he's the you would think Novak Djokovic, who is just winning every single Grand Slam that gets played. That's the guy people would be talking about. It's not, and it's the the new young hungry lion. Which I guess that's the way tennis works. Everybody's looking for the next big thing, uh, but. It, it's certainly he's certainly not going to fly under the radar uh, in a matchup with Djokovic. I, I think there's a lot of people who think there's a real chance he wins. So I I, I bet it's I bet it's less than minus or uh, bet less than plus two hundred uh, when they play.
2: So Djokovic and Alcaraz have played twice before. Uh, Alcaraz beat him in straight sets on clay, and then this past month's French Open, they played on clay again. Alcaraz was a minus two hundred favorite. Djokovic obviously won, one his twenty third title.
0: So. Well, that's interesting. So, Alcaraz was the minus two hundred favorite because he had just beaten him yeah, in, in clay on clay, on and clay they were before. in on clay, which is yeah. Alcaraz's best yeah. surface mm-hmm. and Djokovic's weakest surface. Mm. And Djokovic so, still beat him. So, what do we what do we expect the odds to be here for the Wimbledon final? Do, do, that's what I'm asking. Do yeah. we get Alcaraz? If uh, the reason I'm asking is is plus two fifty on Alcaraz to win right now value, considering what it's going to be against Djokovic. If well, you think he's going to beat Djokovic, then plus 250 is definitely value. Okay.
1: Because because uh, it'll be less than that in the but final? The, but the truth is, I, I, I can't even say that it's value because I don't know enough about – I mean, Dan, Daniil Medvedev's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know how good he is right now, but I know he's got a three next to his name. So he's playing the best player in the tournament not named Alcaraz or Djokovic. And if
0: he beats him – he gets to play the best player in the history of time. So Alcaraz and Medvedev, uh, one and one against each other. Um, and
2: the market's giving Alcaraz a minus 250 favorite, about a 70% chance to advance. To
0: Medvedev game. actually beat him in Wimbledon in 2021. I'm telling you, the hype on this guy is out of control. Like, I, that's why I
1: don't I don't think there's value, just because I, I feel like everyone's pumping this guy to the point where you're not going to be able to get a fair price on him. All right, give me Djokovic, minus 190. I think that's the move. UFC 290 was last weekend. Oh, boy, did it pay off. Two title fights, two fantastic title fights. It was a a fun night of fights. And now we get UFC Vegas 77, which on paper is one of the worst cards you've ever seen. (laughs) This is uh, is an Apex event. This is an Apex event. Mm -hmm. This is a a bunch of pretty low-level fighters. But... There's a lot closer lines this week than there was a week ago, where it was, you know, a bunch of minus 400, mm-hmm. minus 500 mm-hmm. favorites, including Bo Nickel. The, I, think he was, he, I think he closed actually minus 15 or 1800, but still one of the biggest favorites of all time. Uh, so, y- y- listen, the fights aren't going to be great, but they're free and you can bet on them. My best bet for this card, I'll go with Melsik Bogdasarian. Uh, he's minus 160 against Tucker Lutz. and Tuck- a made-up person. It, uh, maybe. Uh, Tucker Lutz doesn't feel like a UFC-level fighter to me. His first fight, badly out-wrestled by Pat Sabatini, which isn't like a crime by itself, because Pat Sabatini's a really good wrestler. But Lutz is supposed to be a really good wrestler, too, and he just got punked out there. Then he let Daniel Pineda, who's like a 40-year-old on the fringe of the fringe of the roster come back after a good round one for Lutz, and then choke him out in round two. Lutz doesn't have elite athleticism. He doesn't appear to have any kind of finishing power. And Bagdasarian is getting better. He fought a bunch of crummy guys coming up, and he's he's starting to kind of learn on the fly as he faces better competition. He still has elite tools, particularly in his striking game. Uh, I'll take the guy with all the athletic advantages And seemingly the only guy who has a path to finishing the fight. So, Melsic Bogdasarian, minus 160 over Tucker Lutz. My best bet for UFC
0: Vegas, 77. Talk to me about the main event. Holly Holm and Myra Bueno Silva. Uh, Holly Holm, a minus 170 favorite. Her last fight was back in March of this year. And she won in a unanimous decision.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and play a prop. Holly Holm by decision at plus 110.
0: Uh, because that's really how she wins these days. She's a very low output fighter. Her last one, two, three, four fights were settled in a decision. Three and one in the last four fights in the decision. And the one decision she lost widely regarded as a, split decision. a poor decision. A decision she Ketlin Vieira, a decision she should have won. Okay. Uh, so Wow, she has not finished a fight since knocking out Beth Carrera in twenty seventeen. Yeah, it's a long time. Other than that, every fight's been a decision except for the one that she got knocked out in by Amanda Nunez. Yep. So yeah, Holly Holm by decision. Holly good, Holm, good, Holm by decision. She, her,
1: she's not the elite athlete she once was at this age, but she's still better than most female fighters in that department, including Myra Buenosilva, Silva, who's her opponent. Uh Bueno Silva's a heavy puncher, but she's got bad footwork. She's she's slow on her feet. And Holm is very difficult to take down. That's one, Her wrestling is wildly underrated because she came into the sport as a boxer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't throw as many strikes as I'd like to, which I think cost her in the Ketlin Vieira matchup. But Ketlin Vieira was able to put up a, a decent pace. Bueno Silva doesn't put up a pace, and she's she's going to have a hard time. Uh, when they're on the feet. So, speed, athleticism, that should give Holly a nice advantage. I think this is an, uh, I don't think this is a controversial decision. I think this is like a 50-45. I think she cruises.
0: Okay, is there any concern, one, the age, she's sure. 41, yeah. this Myra chick is 31, Yeah. Uh, and concern about getting on the ground, because if you look at the last couple of wins here, for Myra, submission, submission, the decision, submission, submission, technical submission, decision, submission. It seems like that's her style. That's certainly her game. And like I said, but the thing is, she's got to get it there. And Holly Holm,
1: where where she really dominates fights now, is in the clinch. And if there's a battle up against the uh, the cage, uh-huh. Holly Holm owns that space because she's just so physically strong. She's not going to get brought down. to the It's going to be very difficult, I think, to get her to the floor and. Holly Holm, like, for whatever her, I mean, like you said, 41 years old, it seems like she's still chugging right along. And you mentioned that she got finished. She hasn't been submitted since 2016. Mm, yep. And that was by Misha Tate, who at the time, Makes sense. I, I mean, that was for the Bantamweight Championship. Yep. So that, that was the top two women in the world at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Myra Buena Silva is. Not on that level. Um, And Holly Holm, again, like I said, is, is not what she once was, but she should be good enough to get past her.
0: If you like that breakdown, you want more picks for the UFC Vegas 77 event tomorrow night, you can purchase A.J. Hoffman's UFC package on Pregame.com. We have a lot of great offers for you at Pregame.com. Discounted packages in our discount packages section. We have Major League Baseball second half beginning here tonight, and you could take 20% off anything you'd like at Pregame.com. How? Well, you use our promo code. The promo code for you is summer twenty, s u m m e r twenty. Summer 20 S-U-M-M-E-R 20. SUMMER20 is going to get you 20% off anything you'd like at Pregame.com. We also have an incredible free contest that you can enter. It's called the Beat Sleepy J MLB Contest. Here's what you have to do. First off, sign up to be a member at Pregame.com. It's free. Once you do sign up, you get $25 to spend on the website. Whatever you want. That's a best bet. It's A.J. Hoffman's UFC card. That's my MLB card for tonight. Free. If it's free, it's for me. That's what they say. But once you're a member at Pregame.com, not only could you access all of our discounts and coupon codes, but you can also enter our free contests. Sleepy J is running the baseball contest right now. All you got to do, it starts tonight, runs through the World Series, You have to win the most MLB units among your peers in the contest. If you do that, $250, cold, hard cash in your pocket. But this is the bonus now. Sleepy earned over 25 units in the second half of the season last year. So after the All-Star break, through the World Series. If you win this contest and earn more than the 25.53 units that Sleepy did in the second half of the season last year, your $250 prize... Boom, double it, it becomes nice. 500
1: And obviously this there's an entry fee.
0: Nope, $500, cash prize to the winner, and it's free Man. to enter. Just go to pregame.com, click on Contests, find the Beat Sleepy J Major League Baseball
1: Contest. Has Sleepy been hyping himself up, Mac? Is he, uh, is he feeling himself for the second half?
2: You know how Sleepy Jay is. He's the same when he's winning his own <laughs> That's Foodies true. the There
0: he is. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Satterberg. We are straight out of this. Hey, yeah.